What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. We're going to do our Sunday review today. I'm here by myself. We're doing a solo pod. No Zach in this episode. I'm actually traveling right now. That's why we couldn't get the live stream going today. We're going to see if we can get one going tomorrow, uh, but the schedule is kind of crazy. So we're trying to get these podcasts in, you know, uh, whenever we can. Uh, but Zach and I couldn't get, you know, we couldn't agree to you know to a, to a time together to get this podcast done, but I figured that you know uh, we already did the research. Might as well get that information out there uh, for our Sunday review, uh, and we're gonna get right into it, man. I want to talk about this game. What an incredible game between the Dolphins and the Ravens. Lamar Jackson he put on a show, throwing for three hundred eighteen yards, three touchdowns. He rushed for one hundred nineteen yards and a touchdown, and he wasn't even the best QB out there. That was two or two. Of t- that was two attack of Vailoa. 469 passing yards, six touchdowns. He led the Dolphins back in this game, scoring 28 points in the fourth quarter to win it. Uh, an incredible performance by him. Uh, Tyreek Hill, 11 catches, 190 yards, two touchdowns. Jalen Waddell, 11 catches, 171 yards, two touchdowns. An NFL record-breaking performance by these two. It was, it was unbelievable. If you had these guys in your lineup, you probably won your matchup. Okay, um, the target share was extremely top heavy. You know, these guys both securing a total of 64% of target share on their own. Um, you know, and I guess, you know, any questions around whether Tua can support both of these guys as high-end wide receivers, you know, that was answered in yesterday's game. So, so, so what a development over the first two weeks of the season. Uh, and it looks like Tua has arrived as well. You know, I'm not sure I want to play him against the Bills next week. You know, he didn't necessarily put up the numbers against the Patriots in week one. But after that, you know, he has a few matchups that are somewhat favorable. So let's see how he does against the Bills next week uh, before he's my starting quarterback. But this was no doubt an incredible performance by him. Now moving on to this backfield, um, things changed up a little bit. Raheem Mostert ended up taking some touches away from Chase Edmonds, uh, you know, more than we thought he would. Mostert ended up with 14 opportunities to Edmonds' seven. And they each ran almost the same number of routes. And Mostert out-carried Edmonds 11-5 to as the primary early down back. So that's obviously not great for Chase Edmonds, someone we thought had very solid usage last week. And then the goal line snaps, we thought Edmonds might even get that. But something, you know, we thought Edmonds might be able to grab, um, you know, ended up going to Mostert, right? Both goal line snaps went to Mostert on Sunday. Uh, so Mostert, you know, I guess he's a waiver wire ad this week as someone, you know, who is usable as a potential flex play. You know, we'll see how this usage usage continues moving forward. We don't necessarily have any trends yet, but, you know, this wasn't ideal for Edmonds right now. In that same game, Rashad Bateman, again, you know, he only ran a, ran a route on 71% of dropbacks in this game, but it didn't matter. 22 total routes. <laughs> That's not what you want from your number one wide receiver, but what you do want is what he did against Xavier Howard, who shadowed him in this game. Uh, and, you know, basically it was that big play, right? That 75-yard slant. You know, he basically caught a slant on Xavier Howard. Great move on him and took it 75 yards to the house for a touchdown. Man, he looked fast on that play. So, you know, listen, he's a great player. Uh, he's he's going to have a he's going to be a great wide receiver, uh, and no one has beat Xavier Howard on a play like that in a long time. So, you know, Bateman is really depending on efficiency right now, uh, and it's similar to what we saw with Marquise Brown. So expect some inconsistencies based on his route percentage and the big plays. Uh, but the dude looks like he is ready to break out in year two. 
All right, moving on to the Jaguars. James Robinson is looking like the clear early down back for the Jaguars after carrying the ball 23 times. Uh, Travis Etienne only getting nine carries on the day. Uh, Etienne only saw one more target in the pass game than Robinson, but he's the clear passing down back, you know, based on him be- being on the field for nine of their 12 third down plays. Um, and, you know, just this game overall was pretty surprising. The Jaguars shutting down the Colts at home. You know, one of the most surprising games of the day. Uh, but this backfield, this is turning into a situation where you have to depend on ETN being efficient on days where the Jaguars are going to be leading like this. So, you know, I don't know how often the Jaguars are going to be leading the entire game like they did today. But in games where they're losing, I'd expect ETN to be on the field more based on how they use these guys today. Uh, but at this point, though, like, it, you know, it's Robinson being the better play than ETN. We'll see. You know, ETN have his days when the game script is more in his favor, and Robinson will also be game script dependent as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, it's pretty amazing to me, to be honest. Though. Like, James Robinson, you know, really defined the odds of what we normally see. You know, an undrafted running back who tours Achilles in December, you know, that's, you know, historically, that's a death sentence for a career. So, you know, he comes back and has to compete against a first-round running back, a great prospect as that, and wins the early down job with a new coaching regime. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to give Robinson props on that one. You know, I'm hoping that he can stay healthy and continue to do his thing. Uh, but, you know, I think we can see the rotation get closer, you know, as ETN gets more acclimated to the NFL. This was his second game in the NFL. So, you know, stay patient with him. Uh, but he doesn't necessarily have to be in lineups right now. Now, someone that does need to be in lineups right now is Amara St. Brown. He's continuing to ball out. He, he's he's simply one of the best fantasy wide receivers in the game right now, and he's looking like this year's league-winning steal at wide receiver. Nine catches on 12 targets for 116 yards and two touchdowns, and, and of course he had to add two carries for 68 yards on top of that. Uh, he's a fantasy wide receiver one moving forward. I did have him as my overall wide receiver 10 going into the week, so that, that was looking good, um, but but the dude is going to be wide receiver one. Do not take him out of your lineup. There is no fantasy decision that you need to make for Amara St. Brown. Uh, Carson Wentz, by the way, you know, another big fantasy day for him with another 300 yards and three touchdowns. He is the number two fantasy quarterback through two weeks so far behind Lamar. But, you know, we still have Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts left to play on Monday night. Um, so that can change, obviously. Um but yeah, Carson Wentz looking like a legit fantasy quarterback for all the reasons that we talked about last week, this offense being catered around the quarterback and the passing game. And because of that, Curtis Samuel is looking like a very solid waiver wire pickup from last week. You know, leading the team in targets uh, again with nine, catching seven for 78 yards and a touchdown. He added one rush for 21 yards as well. Terry McLaurin was right behind him with eight targets, ended up with four for 75. You know, but they're definitely scheming up Samuel, you know, in great ways. And he's got to be in your lineups at this point, you know, as a wide receiver three. And if he continues this next week, he'll probably be in my top 24. Garrett Wilson taking no time to establish himself within the Jets wide receiver court, demanding 14 targets from Joe Flacco. He ended up with eight catches for 102 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Disappointing stat line from Elijah Moore, only five targets on the day. Uh, He can be in lineups next week as a wide receiver three, but temper expectations uh, as this target share can shift around around a bit. Um, You know, we did see that target share shift around from week one to week two. Um, but listen, that's eight targets and 14 targets in week one and week two, respectively, for Garrett Wilson. So, you know, that's a really solid start to his NFL career, you know, given the fact that, you know, he's on the Jets 
and he had Elijah Moore to compete with. Now, as far as Moore goes, yeah, I have to downgrade him a bit after only seeing 13% target share both in week one and in week two. That's super disappointing. We'll see what happens when Zach Wilson comes back. Um, but for now, that's not encouraging for for Elijah Moore. Um, I think he is going to get his because he's playing um, – you know, he play, he's playing an every down role, right? He's running around on almost every single snap, more than Gary Wilson. But Gary Wilson's the one being targeted right now. Now, just to touch on the Jets' backfield, we're seeing some of the same there. You know, however, they felt like they needed to reintroduce Ty Johnson and give him 19% of the snaps. But, you know, Brees Hall, you know, still way behind Carter in snap share. But, you know, he did get the same number of carries as Michael Carter. But, you know, it looks like we have to continue to be patient with Brees Hall. Um, you know, he could potentially do some things later on in the season. But for now, it's really tough to have him in your lineup. Nick Chubb. He went apeshit in this game, man. He scored three touchdowns on the ground and only 46% of snaps. He definitely won people weeks this week. Um, let's see who else was top. Christian McCaffrey, he didn't kill the box score. Still the RB3 on the week so far, but his usage in the pass game isn't what we're used to. We need to see more of that. And this seems like a Baker thing. Um, I would assume one of the major you know, get rights going into week three would be to get CMC the ball in his hands in the pass game, you know, there will be some big games coming. So while, you know, McCaffrey still had 128 scrimmage yards, he needs six to seven catches per game uh, instead of just four like he did today. Uh, and that will be the difference between a mid RB1 performance and a high end RB1 for performance. But 91% of the snaps, he's going to have his blow up games coming. Chris Olave had a big day in terms of opportunity. 13 targets, caught five for 80, and he was being targeted down the field like a mother. 65% air yard share, 365 air yards total in this game, which is absolutely ridiculous. So you combine that with a 34% target share he had, looking extremely promising for him moving forward. Um, I think at this point he is startable as an upside flex next week against the Panthers. And because of that, Jarvis Landry ended up taking a back seat in this game. Michael Thomas still saw nine targets and caught another touchdown. Uh, his third touchdown in two games. He's looking like a solid wide receiver too right now. Ramondre Stevenson ended up with 62% of snaps for the Patriots, ran around on 66% of the routes, which is really good. But he didn't end up with the targets that usually correlate with that. Damian Harris ended up out carrying him 15-8, to but he did get banged up on the Patriots' last play. Not sure how serious it is. It doesn't look that serious because he was fine. He said he was fine in his post-game presser, and he had a post-game presser. Didn't seem like he had anything on his knee either. Something, something to monitor, but doesn't seem serious to me. Just wanted to uh, give you your weekly reminder of Deontay Johnson's 30% target share. Again, um, you know, too bad his team sucks, and he ended up with only six catches for 57 yards. Maybe we'll see Kenny Pickett at some point. Najee Harris didn't get his usual 90% snap share, but he still ended up with a very solid 71% share, saw 21 opportunities, and honestly looked fine. So I'll move him back up the ranks this upcoming week, maybe as a high-end RB2, rather than the low-end RB2 that I had him at this week. Uh, this should be a bit of a sigh of relief if you had Najee. Hopefully there will be no overuse issues that come up this season for him um you know he, his upside is capped a little bit because of the offense uh, and that offensive line but for now he should be fine really really sad development in san francisco with the trey lance injury they confirmed that he did in fact break his ankle um you know i did feel like lance was on his way to a promising season but he's now gone you know the good thing is that he should be able to make a full recovery recovery in time for next year. And another piece of relatively good news was that it wasn't a compound fracture um, like Dak Prescott's ankle break was, and that's good because we might have seen a small reduction in his rushing attempts and rushing ability. Um, that's some good news from San Francisco. 
The rookies really shined this week. You know, Drake, Drake London saw 12 targets. He caught 8 for 86 and, and a touchdown after a solid showing in week 1 as well. Uh, Marcus Mariota really locking on to him. 46% target share this week, 22% target share last week. He's got, he's got to be in your lineup at this point as like a low-end wide receiver 2, a borderline wide receiver 2 next week. And that's really coming at the expense of Kyle Pitts. Only three targets in this game, four catches in two games. Not great at all. Um, so, you know, it's definitely time for those anten- antennas to spring up and ask what the hell is going on. But what's even more troubling is when Arthur asked, Arthur Smith was asked why, what the hell is going on, why, he, why he's not being targeted. He said, this isn't fantasy football we're trying to win. And it's like, well, why don't you just get one of your best playmakers involved so it gives you a better chance at winning. So, you know, definitely frustrating with one of your early picks. Um, you know, he ran around on 91% of dropbacks, but you know, tell me like, who are you picking up and starting over him at this point? Like, what are you selling him for? Listen, good players have bad stretches. He's going to be in my lineup in week three. And if he doesn't do his thing in week three, I will, I will potentially make a move, do something because you obviously can't have that type of production in your tight end spot every single week. Allen Robinson was involved once again. You know, he almost ended the day with two touchdowns if it wasn't for the refs blowing the play dead. But glad he's back. He did get that touchdown score, which is good. He's back involved. Uh, Tyler Higby ended up getting another big day in terms of target share. After I disrespected him last week, maybe we should be paying attention to him a little bit more in the tight end wasteland. So he'll be a back end tight end one next week. And of course, K-Makers, back from the dead. He led the Rams with 15 carries to Daryl Henderson's 10, also caught two of three targets. Henderson did lead in snap share and was the primary passing down back, also saw four of five goal line snaps. So it's looking like a timeshare for now, but let's see how things work out in week three. It's really hard to trust either of these guys right now as anything more than flex options. Jeff Wilson filled in pretty nicely uh, as a waiver wire pickup, 18 carries for 84 yards, caught two of two targets. So far, he's the hot hand. It was Tyrion Davis-Price, by the way, and not Jordan Mason, to my surprise, to get the next crack at it. But he took 14 carries for an underwhelming 33 yards. So I can imagine Jordan Mason getting his opportunity hopefully soon. I, I, you know, you might not need to hold on to Jordan Mason at this point. You know, number one, with TDP, you know, getting the second crack at it. And number two, with Jeff Wilson kind of doing his thing, right? So if anybody, you know, I'd say that TDP is worth rostering on deeper rosters just in case he continues to get opportunity to become the hot hand. Um, But it looks like you have another week uh, where you can start Jeff Wilson as RB2. Uh, a couple of injuries. Jerry Judy, he got hurt, you know, seemed to be a shoulder injury, but they did x-rays on his ribs. That came back ne- negative, so he ended up with a day-to-day designation with a chest and sternum injury. So, um, you know, hopefully he'll be back soon. Hopefully it's not a big deal, and hopefully he'll be back playing next week. Um, out, if Judy is out, Albert O can get some more run, but he only ran a route on 63% of dropbacks. Not great. Don't want to depend on him any, as anything more than a touchdown-dependent tight end, too. Cortland Sutton ended up with a 40% target share in this game. Um, so if Judy's out, obviously he's going to be in your lineup. If Judy's in, he's going to be in your lineup. Dalton Schultz had a knee injury too. Doesn't seem too serious since he tried to come back in the game. They ruled out they ruled out uh, ACL. It looks like it might be a PCL injury for him, um, and he might not be out for a significant period of time. One tight end to look for in waivers is Evan Ingram. He ran around on 84% of dropbacks this week after 78% last week. Um, you know, 14% target share last week, but 27% this week. He's a pickup if you need a tight end who could potentially stick as a low-end tight end one starter. He did get his this week. 
Snapshare ended up flipping in the Texans' backfield as expected. Uh, didn't know it was going to happen that quickly, but it did. Damien, Damien Pierce saw 63% of snaps, ended up with 16 total opportunities to Burkhead's three. Pierce will be a low-end RB2, high-end RB3 play in week three. James Conner also seems to have an ankle sprain. It doesn't seem to be a high ankle sprain, so there's a good chance he'll be back next week. Ian Rappaport did say that it doesn't seem like a long-term injury or considered serious, indicating that it's just a low ankle sprain, so that's good. Now, if Connor is out, it's going to be tough to decide who to pick up between Eno Benjamin and Dow Williams. Uh, they split the backfield pretty evenly, so that could be a bit of a headache to decide between, you know, if Connor were to be out next week. Uh, but Dow Williams did get the goal line touchdown. Um, he also had all goal line, eight goal line snaps in this game, so he will probably be my preferred back. Um, but Eno Benjamin did play uh, a lot of the two-minute drill, but Dal Williams did as well. So um, if I had to choose between the two, it'll probably be Dal Williams, um, but hopefully you won't have to if James Conner is good to go next week. And that's pretty much all I had, guys. Wanted to kind of get that in uh, before the date was up so you, you kind of get an idea of how these guys were used and a little bit of context behind uh, their performances in, uh, in yesterday's games. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to have another podcast uh, for all of your waiver wire pickups. Uh, if you're wondering why this podcast sounds differently, because I'm in a hotel room <laughs> and I'm traveling, uh, so the podcast might be different today, tomorrow, and on Wednesday. So uh, we'll be back on Thursday you know, with our normal YouTube live stream uh, with matchups Thursday and Friday um, and the podcast you know, back at normal time. So thanks so much for listening, guys. We appreciate you, uh, and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Take it easy. See ya.